morning. Welcome to the old school of podcasts about a litany of things, not least of which might be education, culture, history, sports. One day we'll get into sports. We keep teasing sports episodes, but maybe, maybe it never happened. Who knows? Maybe we'll talk about how ridiculous Aggie fans are, for example. Don't do that. 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 That'll that'll make a fun episode. You're you're trying to start the show and you're you're attacking a, a, a nice group of people. Um, they're nice, but they're horribly illogical. And with that, we'll say good morning to Herr Dr. Bourgeois. Hello, Herr, Herr Miller. Um, I know where my bread is buttered, and I don't publicly or privately say anything about Texas A&M, and I'm also paying that university handsomely right now, along with, <laughs> along with Baylor University, if you must know. So, they, um, did, you not- tell your, did you tell your, uh, your children... Hey, listen, I want you to pick the most expensive places to go because really you guys are worth it, you know, so. Yeah. No, it's a. Where's your last kid going to go? TCU or Rice? (laughs) 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 But let me tell you something. The A&M fans, I love them. And they're they're, I got friends of mine that are A&M fans, but they are just ridiculous. Yeah. Thank you for being unfair. I mean, I went to the game last week, Alabama. It was a joyful experience. I'll, I'll say one thing. I mean, you've never went yes. to the game at Kyle Field. Um, it's never. a whole, whole afternoon, whole morning. You know, the tradition and the core coming out and marching to the field. And uh, But the fans are so pleasant and they're so well-behaved. There's no nonsense at all. I mean, there's just, you know, you go to other college football games and people are you know, being idiots, but they're well, well-mannered and, you know, they, yeah, they, they, they wave towels and, and do their yells, but it's a, it's a beautiful thing. I'm, I was uh, really taken by it. We had 108 strong, 108,000 strong, you know, rooting against Alabama and uh, they don't lose games. They just uh, run out of time. <laughs> That's true. I think that was the, I think that was the South's argument. They didn't lose the war. They just ran out of ammunition or they, <laughs> <laughs> not the same oh, thing. Uh, it's not the same thing but it, it wow. was it was a valiant effort um and uh they'll be they'll be back today so well we'll see you know by the time this podcast comes out they could have potentially lost two more games you know so we'll we'll see we'll see what happens uh, what, what do you have, have against them i don't understand i don't have anything against them except for the fact that i just i've never heard of a team that is so confident in winning, but so seldom does it. You know, it's like Cubs fans. I mean, before they won the World Series, I never met a more arrogant group of fans as Cubs fans, and they hadn't won in like a century. Oh, they've had, and they're in the SEC. When's the last time A won a championship game? I don't know, but they're they're in the SEC. They they have competition every week, um, <laughs> and and they're not unlike you know your metaphor of whatever that is. The Dallas Cowboys have the same issue you know they, they win yes, exactly. and get back-to-back games and they're buying super bowl tickets and they haven't won the super bowl and going on 30 years yeah back the where cowboys we are the aggies of the nfl <laughs> no, 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 this is this is bad keep, keep talk about something else because i'm, I'm not enjoying bash uh, texas a&m that's because you have people to answer to <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> so, I, yeah, it's a wonderful place there it is a wonderful place, and the people are wonderful. Yes, just, there you go. A little off. So we, so we, finally, we finally agree, Herr Miller. <laughs> well, I was. We had um, a fall break. Now, typically, before I retired, 
fall break uh, amounted to like a long weekend. Yeah. This week, this year, it was a full blown, full blown, full week off. And so, the the National Park Service has a program where fourth graders and their families get in free uh, during the course of the kids' fourth grade year. And so, we decided to head out to Colorado, and we went to Great Sand Dunes National Park. We went to Black Canyons of the Gunnison National Park. And then we ended up at Mesa Verde National Park. And so we'll do three more in spring break uh, in Utah. But I was in Colorado for this past week. And I like the idea of my kid enduring road trips. Enduring? <laughs> That's a good word. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I have to endure it. I'm the one behind the wheel, but I mean, I think it's important for her to endure it. And so she only gets one hour of screen time when we're driving. So you're torturing her during the trip. Exactly. Okay. I think it's, I think it's a, I think it's a key skill to learn how to deal with boredom and suffering and suffering. Okay. Now, now she's in for her fourth grade. She's in fourth grade, right? She's in fourth grade. Okay, and so when you go to Utah, isn't that what you said the following year? She's still going to be in fourth grade because you want to get the favorable service. Yeah, okay. So I wanted to get why would you? I I wasn't sure if she was in the fourth grade or you just wrote that in the the form. No, no, she's in the fourth grade. She'll be in the fourth grade during spring break next year. And, uh, it goes from August to August, so she she could have started going <laughs> to national parks in August. Okay, and we have until August of next year to go to any national park we want to. And I imagine we'll probably hit a couple over the summer, Sounds but like uh, maybe closer to home, or maybe we'll go east next time. Although I don't, you know, you've you've been everywhere, Herr Miller. I don't know if there's anything new under the sun. Well, I have not been to as many national parks as one might think I would have, and my daughter even less so. So it's I think it's for me, it's kind of an opportunity to see her kind of explore some of these places. You know, we've been to a lot of spots. We've been to the Dakotas. We've been to uh, the Badlands National Park in South Dakota. We've been to a lot of places, Rocky Mountains. So you you you, you, float, you flew to those places and stayed in hotels? No, and drive. Drive. That's a long ride. A lot of it drive. is a long drive, but it's but it's how my family experienced travel, and um, I mean, I guess we could afford flights, but I think there's something to be gained from seeing the miles pass by. Okay. I think so, but uh, and one of the reasons why I brought it up is one because that's what I've been doing for the last week, but two. Something we've touched on briefly as part of a longer episode dealing with kind of different variable models of education. I wanted to dedicate an episode to the notion of outdoor education. Outdoor education? Outdoor education. Like outdoor school. Um, They used to take kids who were having behavior problems and they put them in a program. (laughs) They did, you know, ropes courses and team building. Boot camp. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So that's what uh, I'm picturing. Is that is that what you mean? 
do you see the out now this is going to be funny i mean I, do you see the outdoors as a punitive exercise well for, for me personally i'm i love nature don't get me wrong but i, I don't like to be in it i'd, I'd rather watch it from inside <laughs> of you know my my house i'm quite happy looking out the door i don't like wildlife i don't uh i don't like bugs um but you i don't find the majestic beauty of a deer or bear strolling no. across the field <laughs> I'd, I'd be happy to i've never actually seen a bear i don't think i probably have it but but i sure don't want to see one when i'm, when I'm out, out in in the in their territory that seems really stupid to me but here but the problem is is that you a self-professed indoor cat yeah you you hail from two of the most scenic naturally blessed regions of our country the up in upper yeah. michigan and oregon how in god's name what? does someone who is the product of those two places turn into an indoor cat i don't understand i loved it there i went i went fishing i i spent a lot of time at the coast the oregon coast i was outdoors all the time and obviously i played tennis and did did things so i was outdoors a lot there we lived in michigan you know not when i was born there but we lived there for a year you know around 2000 and i was out a lot I and mean, i played golf we went we traveled a lot and just spent a lot of time outdoors it's just texas you know and you're just an indoor cat in texas yeah it's the the heat and and they have you know things that start with the letter s that crawl around or bite you Slither or just have, around either either i don't ever want to deal with that and so it, it's uh prohibitive to me and, and to to go around hiking or whatever just i mean it's it's the state itself so you need to be more in the north i think but and then i would be quite happy being outdoors so when you think about something like outdoor education can mm -hmm. you given your current status can you envision benefits of outdoor education not specific to a particular subject but simply the notion of creating a curriculum by which you are learning concepts of a particular subject outdoors do you find any inherent benefits to that i don't really understand it i mean if if you're trying to learn about nature and do you know biology and do studies out there that's you know almost like a, a extended field trip uh, but that that is part of the curriculum but it sounds like you're talking about what every kid asks you know every spring can we have class outside yeah. you know and and i didn't do that maybe you, you were the kind of teacher who said yeah let's get outside and get in a circle and talk about history uh, but I, I, re I was pretty good at resisting that. Was, is that what you're thinking uh, or studying the outdoors? Which of the two? Well, I think you can look at it in both ways. One, the idea of, yes, you know, there's certain there are certain assignments that you can do that are conducive to being outdoors, like you mentioned biology or science, or what have you, where those things kind of make sense. I think there's actually also mathematical elements in nature that you could use to kind of talk about certain concepts or what have you. But do you think it's not possible that people learn better outside of the rather staid, sterilized kind of environs of a cinder block classroom? Is there something to be said that you get more when you're surrounded by an environment that engages you more? 
um, well, the the type of schooling that we typically see is that you have these lights flickering above, and there are no windows in the classroom, and, and you're definitely isolated. And so yeah. you see, see the outdoors, you know, when you go to school, and then when you leave the building. Uh, so, first of all, have, having you know open spaces, you know, in, in the campus uh, windows. But on the West Coast, I mean, they had more like campuses um, for the high schools. Mm -hmm. uh, a security nightmare, by the way. Um, but you had <laughs> breezeways that in, in the front of the school, you, you could just, it was pretty much an open campus and, and you couldn't control. I mean, now there's a, I mean, everywhere they kind of have a single entry for good reason, but but it's following more of a prison model. Um, so, so the idea of opening it up, if, realistically if you can you, you would probably need to be out on a location that's set up for that you know specifically okay so let's say you have something of that ilk sure and can you envision a natural benefit to simply learning not necessarily anything specific to the outdoors but can you envision benefits to learning while outdoors um, I, I love universities and the idea of walking to the library, walking. So it's more, to me, it's more about those transitional times. But the idea of sitting out with your notes or your laptop um, and hearing a lecture or doing activities while, while it's a bit windy, and um, I, I, I wouldn't get excited about that. Because one of the things I've kind of noticed is that my daughter, mm -hmm. who is... If we can all agree, remarkable child. Um, yes, for other reason, but that she's my child. <laughs> you, you wanted me to agree because it's true. And <laughs> yes, I, want I, I can understand so. it. You know, with with because of your wife, but you know, the your contribution is <laughs> quite frankly a little, little surprising that she's turned out so well. Well, I think we can all agree on that. But <laughs> you know, my child is different indoors than she is outdoors. And when I noticed her, you know, at the parks, she would do things mm -hmm. that she probably would not do indoors. She's more inquisitive. She is more attentive. Now, I will grant you that this is a double-edged sword because I think if you don't have firm control of your classroom, being outdoors is a horrible idea <laughs> because if you don't have control, if you don't have control of your classroom, your kids are going. It's going to be like Lord of the Flies. I mean, it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be a horrible idea. But if you have the ability to kind of control the classroom, if you have that classroom management style, I wonder if that how that translates as far as a kid being able to learn. Because I look at my kid and she seems more engaged outdoors. She seems more in tune with what's around her in outdoors, as opposed to her being inside either our house or presumably the classroom. And I'm wondering if there's something that we can't use to kind of juxtapose out to, you know, into a kind of a regular classroom setting to get kids outdoors and maybe they benefit as a result of it. So have you done this? Have you actually taught history outside? Yes. I mean, I did it with my kids. I did, you know, when my students brought up the, the notion of, you know, can we go outside? I didn't, I didn't necessarily take it as something to kind of, you know, convince them otherwise of. I was all for it. And I found that, you know, when we went outside, 
yes, yes, there's wind. Yes, there's noise. There's Yes, there's other things that kind of make the experience less than ideal. But I also found that they were more into it. One, because I think they think they're getting away with something. Yeah. You know, or they, you know, or they think they're, they think they're getting what they want. But in the end, I also get what I want, you know. And I remember, because I, I had a certain reputation as a teacher. And I think we talked about this the last time we briefly talked about outdoor education. I had a certain reputation as a teacher, as a kind of a strict, no-nonsense kind of teacher. And I remember a teacher came out and saw me with my students. And they're all sitting around like in small groups discussing some questions I had them to discuss. And I'm basically laying on the grass in the middle of all the kids with my hands behind my head with my oh, eyes yeah. closed, laying in the sun. <laughs> what, what an image that is. <laughs> um, and well, my, my teacher friend said, well, what, what the world are you doing? I said, I'm not doing anything. The kids are talking about history. I'm, I'm teaching. You know? <laughs> he said, yeah, I, I was teaching because I was listening to what the kids were saying because they're right around me. Yeah. And so if there's someone starting to get off task, I say, hey. How about, uh, hey, so-and-so, how about uh, you ever thought about this, you know? And so I could, because I was in the midst of all of them, I didn't necessarily have to be patrolling, you know, but rather just being there and being able to hear, I was able to kind of keep their conversations going. And it was a much more relaxed atmosphere. I think there's something inherently, potentially restrictive inside of a classroom because it's not a natural setting. No, it isn't. Uh, I mean, it reminds me a little bit of touring with students and having that tour guide uh, stopping and talking and, the, and very difficult to hear. Um, and, and the kids are standing around, not necessarily engaged, except for a couple of people in, in the front. Uh, right. But but I, I would I would love to see you lying down, you know, uh, you know, just relaxing, sipping some lemonade or something. While your students are talking, and, you know about Plato or whatever they were talking about. Um, no, I, I, I mean you have a, a serious idea here, but I mean, what, what, how could it be implemented, you know, today with all the the concerns of managing a classroom? Well, it's more than just that. I think as a result and as in a response to COVID. I think a lot of schools started doing stuff outdoors. Yeah, that's right. If for no other reason but to, you know, to keep 30 kids from being crammed into a classroom. Yeah. But I think what some people may have envisioned as a temporary addressing of a concern didn't really carry over, you know, as far as like what it could be beyond those concerns. And now there are different concerns. You know, there's some schools in, uh, I think it was Madison, Wisconsin, that basically up and canceled some of their outdoor programs and it had a lot to do with liability you know within the school there was a certain kind of you know set liability measures that are taking place within the school to make sure nothing bad happens to kids and once you go outside those doors that security vanishes and i think it freaked out some of the school districts and for example in madison wisconsin where they said, well, we can't do this. We need to get them indoors. Yeah. And I think because of a combination of the rather litigious nature of our culture and in conjunction with, you know, the adverse, the risk adverse kind of nature of school boards and school districts and school administrations, I think it has, I think it runs the risk of destroying a lot of outdoor programs. 
but there's too many people out there making studies about what it means to be educated and what it means to be outdoors while in the process of being educated. Um, who is the Finnish uh, educator that we both follow? Um, Sol Solberg. Solberg. I mean, he's talked a lot about this as well. But I, I just wonder if there's not an advantage in going more towards that instead of going away from it. Yeah, I, I would say it depends on the the teacher. You know, a lot. Of, I mean, a lot of teachers would be would grumble about that. But if but given the option to do it, you know, some would probably take them up on it and, and do a heck of a job. Um, I can't remember too many days per year that I want to be outdoors at all in Texas. You know, <laughs> any season. You know, maybe there's a few days in November, um, mm. but then it's, it gets cold or it's ridiculously hot. Um, but I, I feel like I'm complaining about everything right now. I'm in a complaining mood. Actually, for the last 10 years or so, you know, <laughs> I've become a curmudgeon. And now that, now that you're uh, retired, we're like those, those guys in the Muppet show. <laughs> I, I think that's exactly what we are at this point. Statler and Waldorf, I think is the name. So. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, there's an obvious cure for your Mudgy in this nest retiring for good, but uh, <laughs> but you, you got your kids going to every expensive college in Texas, and so you're 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 in for the long haul, you know. I didn't mean to you reveal may die in that seat. <laughs> not, oh, come on, I didn't mean to reveal personal details. We should edit that out here, Miller. <laughs> but I think I, I, like I go back to looking at my daughter outdoors. And I think if you're talking about what kind of traits you seek to create within students, I think there's something to be gained from the ideas about being outdoors. Now, yes, you know, some, some locales have different problems with regards to that, mm -hmm. you know, whether it be Texas in the summer, in August, the beginning of the school year, or whether it's Minnesota, uh, almost the entirety of the school year. I mean, there's some there's some challenges, but you know, different cultures who emphasize this have different philosophies about it. You know, our uh, our friends over in Germany is that expression. There's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing. And so the notion that you know, you know, you, you go outside, you just dress appropriately for it. There's no reason to kind of fear being outside, even if the weather is not ideal. And so whether you talk about endurance, whether you talk about handling adversity, whether you talk about the notion of being observant, and how many times have you heard complaints that our kids are not terribly observant because they're in the same atmosphere day in, day out, eight hours a day. It doesn't encourage observation. It doesn't encourage curiosity. If you're outdoors, Maybe that does. You'd have to pry the phone out of their hands for sure. I mean, I worry, you know, in the parking lot driving my daughter to school and the kids are mm -hmm. staring at their phone. They don't even look up when they cross the street. Yeah. You know, so so I think if you can pry the cell phone out of their hands so they can actually be present outdoors, you'd have a better uh, chance of you know getting the, the effect you want. So you're saying that it is possible. 
Um, no, I, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, no, I think it's a security challenge. You would have to train the students from, you know, from kindergarten on to know how to handle themselves there and not just start frolicking. Um, I mean, it, it reminds me of what you, you want to do when we would drive home from work together every day. <laughs> if you wanted to stop by a field, I don't know why you kept asking. Run around. Yeah, you want to just run. I don't know what you would have actually done if I had pulled over. Um, I'd have gotten out and ran around. Yeah, like with your arms out, just run around and then come back to the car. Are we ever going to come back or are you just going to keep going? Sure. No, I want to go. <laughs> come back. But what I'm, I'm saying is, it. I think being outside allows the student, both literally and figuratively, to be outside themselves. Hmm. And I think it it allows them it gives them permission to function a little bit differently. I think in a classroom where you have been since you were knee high to a grasshopper, as someone probably said, um, that there's like a, there's like a certain expectation of behavior and that behavior and the demands for that behavior does not change. I think being in an atmosphere where constantly both the behavior being asked and the demands being asked differ i can't help but think that that's probably better for the kid well i think anything to i mean the thing about a school classroom is that nothing could be more plugged in anymore i mean the internet is is turning away and technology is is present in, in the classroom um i think your your classroom has uh, had was relatively pared down from technology and but being out outdoors you, you could definitely be away from that um, which is nothing but a, a good thing you know I, would, I think we would agree that any way to not be looking at a screen is an improvement so therefore then how do you overcome the obstacles be it litigious be it security be it you know a whole host of things maybe facilities or available facilities it seems like most school districts have some sort of outdoor learning center you know, certainly maybe the larger school districts have them. Yeah. Um, so how do you overcome those obstacles of people who just want to do as it's always been done? It's a, I've visited schools where they have spaces like that, that are actually set up for, for, for the class to go in and learn there, but it's, it's still within the compound of a building with one entrance, you know, for security, mm -hmm. but then they have these spaces that don't have a roof. You know, and they're definitely outdoors and they have nature. They involve the kids in, in the gardening or whatever is needed. But but I think that's what you would need to do is set it up purposefully as an architectural challenge, um, as opposed to letting the students run wild and free out there, which I, you know, to me, that that's a, a scary idea because you wouldn't be the only teacher in the school doing that. And suddenly, uh, I don't know, I'm picturing kids running around and yelling and chasing each other and like recess <laughs> essentially all day. <laughs> well, I think if, if the teacher's plan, if it's said in their planner book, Tuesday, U S history, allow the kids to go, go outside and run around and play grab ass or whatever, you know, just, you know, just act like a fool. Yeah. I think we can all agree that's probably a bad plan. Okay, I thought you were I mean, that and saying, yeah, that would. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is, is that if that's, if, if, if the, but rather if the plan is to get something out of being outdoors. Yeah. 
And now if someone may complain, you're just being outdoors for the sake of being outdoors. Well, I'm being asked to use technology just for the sake of using technology. You tell me in the end, how, it, which direction will the kid be better off without being outside or without technology? You know, I would say they, you know, without <clears throat> technology, they'd probably be better off. Well, and so <clears throat> they'll have an experience that's different you know, than what they usually get in, in school. And it might wake them up. I think the key, though. As you said, I think this has to start from the get-go mm -hmm. so that the kid can be used to being outside and still be focused and still be productive and still kind of follow instructions. I think that the kid has – that has to happen starting from kindergarten. Yeah, um, and, <clears throat> and then you could design a school that would – purpose purposefully make make that possible um so it's not just a rarity when the weather's nice and some teacher gets a wild hair but it's planned and you reserve these different spaces um, by right. class um, and mr miller will be signing up for most of the days um, <laughs> i could picture that um but they would have to get used to it meaning it's not just one thing but we, we're doing this constantly as part of what we do and then they can maybe focus on learning history and not just the experience of being out of the classroom and i do think that there are natural hurdles to overcome if you're talking about a three thousand plus high school body mm -hmm. you know there's going to be some natural problems with having you know i mean it would have to be staggered or it it's something would have to be done to kind of plan that out and certainly, it's not something that can maybe be done every day, but at least once a week or maybe twice a week, you know, you had the opportunity to do something outdoors and be outdoors. And, you know, I, I, do, I do understand the logistical aspects. What concerns me is what's happening in Wisconsin, for example. I think it's happening in other places as well, where the litigious or the security aspect of a school becomes the most important determiner as to what happens in the school. And to me, that doesn't make any sense. So they're they're concerned about security and kids getting injured and um, whereas they have a lot more control over the movements of the, of the students in, in a classroom setting. Well, I would think, you know, if you talk about a typical high school, yeah, I think from an administrative point of view, it's all about control, is it not? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think that's how the school day is designed. Right. For sure. Now, you know, someone listening might say, well, there you go. That's why we don't have a bunch of kids outdoors, you know, because you can't control it. Yeah. But I think that there's something to be said for having a different understanding of what it means to control. You know, what? how you interact with the students, how you relate to them. You know, I, I mentioned this before. There was a great line when um, um, Wade Phillips was hired as the Cowboys head coach. And they asked him, how do you plan on controlling all these big personalities in this team? And Phillips's response was, I'm not going to control them. I'm going to work with them. I don't control anybody. You know, and so I, I, and I think if you take that and you juxtapose it within an educational environment, now I grant you this is not going to be easy, but I can't help but think that ultimately it might be better 
for the kids in the long term to have something like this. Well, this is the second time we've talked about this in, in some ways, and you, you seem passionate about it. Um, I'm not sure you could you could study it and find out places that actually do this intentionally. And I would guess that they they create, you know, like you said, a center, something you know within that because a, a school campus can be pretty big, you know, yeah. and to have an area that's designated that you know for that uh, yeah. might might be the solution. Um, I think I think what makes it difficult to convince people of is that in most cases where this is done to a great degree, mm -hmm. it's either a very small school, right? It's a very tailored school, or it's run by a bunch of hippies. You know, hippies? people think yeah, I, guess hippies. <laughs> I, I grew up around hippies. hippies. <laughs> the, the hippies are still in Oregon where I grew up. Yeah. <laughs> they never I have nothing against hippies, but I think people take a derogatory <laughs> kind of notion yeah, to this kind of sit out and sniff the flowers kind of, you know, you know, you know, give peace a chance or whatever. You know, I think people kind of associate a certain demographic yeah. with the notion of outdoor education. That's just it's asinine. You know, when I when I see my daughter, my daughter's happier outdoors. Okay. And I, and I can't, and now if we can, if you can translate that into an educational experience, then I, I think what people are reacting to is that it's such a change from how they experience education. I think retirement it's, has changed you because you never talked <laughs> about student happiness. In fact, you, you know, talked about the opposite. You wanted them to suffer and and persist uh, and now you're talking about frolicking outdoors and happiness this is not the ross miller i know see that's that that's similar to people who take the statement there should be no tests yeah. as being there's no rules you know it's like the old you know, you know little caesar's commercial there's no rules you know and start taking off the shirt and there's one I rule the, i don't even remember that commercial <laughs> 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 But the notion that, you know, the notion that just because you're doing away with one thing does not mean you're doing away with everything. I mean, I think you could be just as rigorous, mm -hmm. however you choose to define that word, that you can be just as rigorous and just as demanding in an outdoor environment. But the idea behind it is that in the outdoor environment, you have the potential of the kid being more engaged than simply sitting in a row of desks within fake air conditioned air being pumped on at you the entire time. I think there's a there's a potential for something better to be done. Well there there are schools that you know have an outdoor element, you know specifically to, to serve students who maybe are, are struggling. I've heard of one where they have horses and and they do do that in the morning and then in the afternoon they do traditional school. Um, right. But, I, you know, it, it could be that a, a charter school with that as part of their uh, program, mm -hmm. getting kids out, outside would be the best bet, you know, because, uh, you know, doing transitioning an existing school system would be really difficult. But I think build it from the ground up. Yeah, because I think, yeah, I think if you if you couch it that way, the the um, immediate out will always be, well, they can do it, but we're too big. We can't do it. I think you have to kind of restructure things. Okay. And granted, maybe this is pie in the sky kind of 
discussion. Oh, yeah, it's a great idea. Now, now that you framed it differently, you know that this could be a experimental school, but that is one of their their key values is to get kids mm-hmm. out out of out of the building, unplug them as much as possible, and have mm-hmm. shared open spaces where people can walk around. Uh, it, you know, it, it sounds idyllic, and and. Yeah, I think if we investigated, there are schools like that. I mean, the the school we've what what's it called? It's this free democratic school in, in Massachusetts. Uh, can't remember what it, what it's called, but the, 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 there's an outdoor element to that school as well. Yeah, and I think I think there's a lot there's a lot of different things you can do. You know, the old you know, the poet once wrote that out in the desert, there's nothing but sand and God, and I think. I think being outside, you know, you have the potential of going into areas that maybe you would not ordinarily be, be able to go because maybe it allows for discussions, the likes of which can't happen within the classroom, within a typical standard traditional classroom. And so, I mean, if Thoreau was right, that it's only by being outdoors that we can truly be in touch with who we are, you know. It's right, you know, as G.K. Chesterton said, that, you know, whatever you can say of man, man is not what he was meant to be. Maybe there's something to be gained by doing something different as far as how you educate, how you train, how you mold and shape the generation to come. I like this, Herr Miller. So you, you took a road trip, you know, and, and suddenly you're, you're proposing something pretty radical. But um, I I'm I'm curious you know, to hear what other people think about this idea. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of taking my devil's advocate role, uh, and also sure. I'm not not much of an outdoor person, and I'm I would be not happy with my students. It's it's tough enough in a classroom to mm-hmm. to manage a class and be effective. Um, so it, it brings a lot of things you know under this roof of discussion because it's it's massive change you're talking about it is massive change but i think you begin small hmm? you know whether it's a uh, you know the i think the national fish and wildlife organization has kind of funded fishing programs you know across the country they, they started like 50 new ones in florida for example yeah. and you know you have you have these small in- entries into the natural world Love it, and then you you build from there. I think that there, I think there is a way that you can do this. But I think, as you said, if you want to do it like a wholesale kind of a thing, it does have to start from the beginning, because the kids have to be trained to be outside and still be productive. The teachers have to be trained to be outside and still have some sentiment of control over you know what your kid is doing. It's the same dangers as the kids on a computer. You know, we've we talked about the notion that it's harder to teach than it is to learn because you have to just let learning take place. And this, this, the same dynamics happens outside as well. And so the teachers need to be trained. The kids need to be trained. We are talking about a very, and the fact that you call it radical might suggest that it can never happen. But I think if you can do it on smaller levels and introduce it incrementally, that right? Is that the right word? Incrementally? If you can do it in that way, maybe you've got a chance of creating something different and, dare I say, better. You you may. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, uh, 
Well, 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 thank you, Herr Miller. An interesting topic uh, that you brought, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we spent some time. We'll probably come back to it next time you travel, you know, after next summer or whatever. And, and maybe you'll come with us the next time. Let's, let, you're willing trip. to shed that indoor cat persona, and you're ready to be, be a different man, a new man, a better man. Better? <laughs> no, <laughs> Bigger, stronger, faster. Yes. We can rebuild them. We can make them better. <laughs> it's another old reference for all Every, the everything we say is old. Yes. <laughs> well, it's another weekend. More college football, baseball playoffs. Oh, that's true. Uh, Rangers won a series, didn't they? Yes. Uh, oh, it is remar- It is remarkable that that series where they beat my beloved Orioles. Well, it happened while I was basically out of cell range. I mean, I couldn't see anything. I couldn't hear anything. It's, it's for the and, best, I guess. But I was going to text you. I just didn't want to um, because you were enjoying nature. And it would have been a distraction to hear the every inning. Here, here's what's happening. I like to think it was a sign of our friendship that you didn't want to bring me down at the moment when I was experiencing such exalted environs and experiences. I wasn't that into it. Uh, I mean, I, I was <laughs> thinking the Rangers are winning a series, and then I thought, oh, wait a minute, they're playing the Orioles. Um, okay. Yes. Mixed message. But they're your second favorite team, so now you're going to take off the orange and put on whatever color the Rangers are using these days. It's blue. It's what they, That's what you're wearing now. Are you wearing a Ranger shirt now? I'm not wearing a Ranger shirt now. It's actually a Savannah, Georgia shirt. Oh. Uh, but uh, we were there a couple of years ago on vacation. So, but, um, right, really. but no. Um, so, yeah. So I, I gently donned the Orioles cap, set it down, put it in this nice little uh, exalted uh, place, pick up the Rangers hat, put that on. And now I'm riding the Rangers through the playoffs to the World Series. Okay. Finally, the ghost of Nelly Cruz in 2011 will be exercised, and the Rangers will have won. Are you able to even say, you even say that? I mean, that, that it feels like you're breaking rules. You know, talking about that when we have two more. I'm, in, I'm envisioning. I'm envisioning success. All the pop psychologists say that that's the way to become successful is that you visualize success, okay. and so I'm envisioning success for the Rangers. And hopes that they win the World Series. Here's hoping. I'm 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 pulling. <laughs> yeah. Be right behind you every step of the way. Okay. <laughs> All right. With that, yeah. uh, with that rather sarcastic uh, show of support, uh, we shall bid adieu, <laughs> Herr Doctor Bourgeois. Auf Wiedersehen, Herr Miller. <laughs>